Hitting revenue targets is hard and requires constant hustle. Last quarter's success is already forgotten. Learn the mindset and tactics of today's most successful revenue producers in B2B marketing and sales. We call this the revenue hustle. I'm your host, Tom Hessen, navigating you on this journey. Today's show is sponsored by Nine Lenses, an interactive assessment platform that enables you to add instant value to your buyers and allows your sales team to tailor business conversations focused on the pain points each and every time. Check them out at NineLenses.com. All right. Well, it is my distinct pleasure to bring you guys Cody Ward. Uh, we're going to talk a lot about Cody's background in marketing and as a demand gen leader. Uh, but my name's Tom Hessen. I'm the host of The Revenue Hustle and excited to talk to Cody today. So, Cody, welcome to The Revenue Hustle. Thanks for having me, Tom. Yeah, no, I'm really excited to talk to you, Cody. We've had an opportunity to just kind of get to know each other over the past uh, six months or so. And uh, I know you've got a lot of strong and smart opinions around marketing and revenue growth. And so um, you're currently the senior, uh, senior director of demand gen at Connexium. And uh, right. I'll let you introduce your, you know, give us your full quick background of um, your experience. Sure. Yeah. So I, I, I cut my teeth in digital marketing and, and have been focused lately uh, fo for B2B SaaS companies um, in, in, you know, everything demand generation, marketing operations, revenue marketing, um, really trying to partner with my, my counterparts in sales and finance and just deliver growth for, for the organizations that I'm working with. So uh, I found this sweet spot of B2B and, and technology, um, and it's been a fun ride. Yeah, and it's. I think you're. You you tend to go towards the earlier stage companies as well. Is that uh, like growth companies, st uh, startups, or later stage? Is that? Yeah, I I grew up in an entrepreneurial family, so I've got the the builder mentality in me. So I'm looking at the the people, the strategy, technology, and processes, and I'm just like, what maturity level are you? I want to get you to the next one. How can I help? Yeah, yeah, no, there's a lot that goes into those early stage companies. So you really do have to be a jack of all trades there. So, all right, well, you guys know we do revenue rules on the on the on the revenue hustle. So, um, Cody, take it away. What's your first revenue rule? My first revenue rule is report in the same format as the CFO. Okay, so obviously marketing CFO, they've got a nice relationship there. Sometimes uh, combative at times. So unpack that for us. Well, the the problem or the mistake that I've seen marketers trip over is when they when they report on their own dashboards, their own KPIs, their own metrics, and often it's a different set that goes in front of the board and the in the executive team at the end of the day, and so you're having two completely different conversations. And so if you align directly to what the the business is focusing on and think of yourself first, not as a marketer, but but as a business strategist, someone who who is 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 equally positioned to to make an investment and see a return if you look at it that way um, your your decisions and outcomes will ultimately be more pos positive mm -hmm. and so I'm guessing this kind of came out of some less than stellar um, experiences you know working with finance so like how did you how did you learn this um, maybe a few hard lessons along the way Oh, 100%. Yeah, I, I, I failed a, a number of different times. So I've learned this, this the hard way. Um, but it, in marketing, especially in digital marketing, like I mentioned, it was where I started with, with SEO, paid search, email marketing, all of those uh, have a lot of a lot of metrics tied to them. And it, they give you a sense of 
of whether or not you're doing it effectively or not. Uh, but ultimately, um, you got to be careful about sharing those with the executive team and with your sales counterparts and customer success counterparts because they don't they don't have the same background or interest you do in those KPIs. Um, you can view them as leading indicators for ultimately revenue, but don't present them in as if they're a uh, a success story when marketing is is hitting all of their KPIs and then sales is missing quota because you'll never get your integration yeah. and alignment there. Yeah, so like I've seen that before where maybe around like likes or views or uh, email downloads or ebook downloads or you know things of that nature. Is that what some of the KPIs, the internal marketing KPIs you're talking about? Those are great examples, yeah. And if you throw those up on a slide in a dashboard that says, you know, we've got to 10,000 likes, like just, just, uh, just be aware that the the other side, your CFO might be like, how much do we spend to get those likes, and ultimately, how many of those likes are translating to opportunities and deals? Yeah, it's funny. I had lunch with a good um, accounting friend of mine, and um, he's in he's in B two B, and we were talking about marketing, and and he basically said the exact same thing that he you know, questions marketing because it's really hard to draw a line from the spend to the the ROI. So you're you're saying exactly what he was saying, um, but from the marketer side. It is it is really hard, um, but it's even harder when you're not looking at what they're focused on. And so my, my favorite person in the organization is the CFO to go partner with. And if you can get them to understand it, you'll have a much, much easier job um, getting the right investments and and being able to move and grow the company. We'll, we'll talk about that. So what does that conversation look like? How do you, I mean, obviously finance and marketing are, are two wildly different domains. Um, mm -hmm. So how do you speak finance or how do you speak marketing to finance and, and, and you know, get them to understand how you- I start on, on the completely opposite end um, than I think I'm conditioned to naturally. And so I start with What's the what's the revenue at the company? What what is the ARR? How many you know? Where is that bookings coming from? Um, I think marketing, whether or not they're the CMO is is the the pipeline owner. I think they kind of should wrap their arms around it and grab it and own it anyways. So even if you don't have complete control of say your um, your customer growth funnel is you should put your arm around it and say, I'm at least going to measure it and, and draw some insights from it. Even if, if you don't have, you know, complete ownership of the of the self-sourced uh, rep revenue, for example, right, you right, should be right. able to, to, to measure it and, and see all of that because that gives you intelligence to compare to your own funnels. And I think marketers should be encouraged and, and maybe even... Um, you know, provided ownership of the entire funnel and, and starting at the bottom of it to say, where did it come from and what ultimately, you know, are the decisions the CFO is making? You got to start there. My, my kind of intuition and when I, earlier in my career, I started on the complete opposite end with the CFO and I said, look how many impressions and clicks we got and it never worked out for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they don't see that. Um, and and so when you talk to the CFO and you're talking about revenue and and kind of work backwards to marketing. So what are like how do you tell the marketing story to a CFO when you're talking about budget and 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 you know I know there's a lot of uh, skepticism isn't the right word, but just they just don't know what marketing's doing, right? They don't fundamentally understand it. They don't know where the dollars go or how it comes back. So how do you 
translate that when you talk to the I CFO? Try and, I try and do it um, as, a, as a, in a systematic and logical way. So, so it's all about this causes this, that causes this. And I'm trying to work them back to a, a contact, right? Like we, we can't get someone to, to book a meeting with us if we don't know them, if we're not in some sort of communication with them. And we can't get them to um, have an opportunity unless there's a meeting uh, or some sort of conversation. Uh, we can't get them to uh, ultimately go through our sales progression, progression unless, um, uh, un unless they're put into that, that funnel and pipeline. And so I work at the bottom and say, where did these come from? Um, I then make them un you know, help them understand that there's, there's multiple places and I always start with sourced. And I think where, where marketers get tripped up is they start with influenced and they're, they're trying to take credit for things that, that they, they maybe worked in the middle of a sales cycle. And they're like, you know, this came in from, you know, the sales reps relationship, their best friend happened to be the CEO and they pulled them in. And then marketers get in trouble because they say, hey, we helped that because they opened an email. And so the attribution rules, I think, need to be really clear. And I think you need to start with, this is what came in from marketing. It may be a small percentage, but it's a starting point. And then if you can get alignment on that, it's easier to jump to a conversation about what you influenced. Right, because you're saying sourced is easier. It's a smaller number, right? G usually, right? Usually. Influence, right. And so, but that's like concrete. There's no doubt about it, right? There's no, uh, that should be, you know, take it to the bank sort of revenue that marketing brought in, right? That's right. And and you would, you would position it as we wouldn't have gotten that revenue without marketing. Now, in your experience how does that equate to the overall budget i suspect maybe the sourced revenue is not achieving the entire marketing budget right so there's not it's it's not you know so someone could say well marketing's a loss a loss leader right where i'm investing x and i'm only getting y back according to sourced but that's where we all know that obviously you have to be in the marketplace, right? Just to be out there for people to have an impression, to come read, right? I mean, you can't always attribute, you know, so, that CEO's, you know, the sales rep's best friend's a CEO sort of bought, but they probably came to the website, they probably read some content, but you had no idea what they did, right? So there's all sorts of attribution holes, if you will, in, in you know, this, you know, telling yeah, marketing it, story. That's a fantastic point and I, I think where i start is i try and separate demand gen and lead gen from the overall marketing and and certainly from brand and awareness and i and i say this is the this is the scalable part where we can we can invest more dollars and see an immediate return there may be other brand awareness plays different problems you're trying to solve cost of doing business product marketing community you know prar uh, all of those things you could probably group as um, as, as more of a, a cost center for marketing, but I want the CFO to be thinking of demand gen as a profit center. Okay. No, that's really good. And so when you break that budget down between kind of the, the demand gen versus branding and, and some of the other marketing things that are really hard to tie back to, what's your budget split, you know, between demand gen or, or like brand marketing where you don't expect to, to see, you know, an easy return from attribution. Well, that's a that's a good question. I think where I where I'd start first is uh, is what's the contribution 
to the revenue and the and ultimately the the growth number um, by the the other growth the other growth levers of the business. So how much of it's coming from your existing customer base? How much of it coming from sales or your business development team? How much of it is is coming from um, you know any of those levers? And and then I would I would start there because then you can you can get them thinking about. Um, the percentage allocation of each and marketing may contribute, you know, 100%. If you're a product-led growth company, uh, it might contribute something as low as 10% if you're solely enterprise SaaS-based uh, and anywhere in between. In between. Um, but understanding that is where marketing, I think, can can make a difference because the reason why is, is say it's 25% for demand gen, that's the budget that I would tie directly to those numbers and sourced. And then the other number, that per, that percentage you're asking me about of awareness and PR and AR, is I would say that budget, it's not going to help demand gen and maybe it will give it a little bit of lift, but the purpose of that budget is to help those other channels and sources, such as customer growth and education there, such as maybe alliances, like uh, such as, you know, um, your, your, your business development channel, because it's how I would kind of try and separate it. I see. I see. Okay. Yeah. So that way your sourced revenue comes back to a smaller investment. You're not taking it back to the entire marketing budget. You're taking it back to, um, a smaller portion, a portion of your budget. So it, it shows a little bit stronger ROI in that case. Um, and I think you're making a really important right. point about there's different forms of marketing and the expectation of return is different for each one, right? And I, I suspect most CFOs don't break marketing down into these silos like you just outlined. They just see the number, right? And and then they want to know, you know, headcount tools, you know, campaign costs. They just roll it up into one big number and say, okay, Cody, what'd you, what'd you get for me, right? But you're you're educating yeah. them, right? And so how are these conversations going? Like, so... As you've had them over time, you know what's been the reaction to, by the CFO. You know what are the questions, pushback, um, or other, as as you've, you know, educated them a bit. Well, the the comment that I hear most often is I don't see it. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't I can't make the connection from here's our all in marketing budget and how much we're spending. It's really easy to to look at it as a as a cost center when you think of when you just start there. Um, it, it versus versus this is a channel that you could put more in and put more out. There's there's a ROI to it, and and I think companies that are in growth mode and CEOs and CFOs that's really the, what they want because they're trying to decide: Do I hire more salespeople? Do I hire more BDRs? Do I hire more, uh, you know, put more dollars into advertising or marketing? Like they're looking at all the trade-offs, um, and if you can't quantify what you're doing and it's just a big number at the end of the day. Uh, you, you'll be in trouble. So the the best compliment that I've gotten in my career is is I see it. Like I finally make the connection. Like it, I may not buy into exactly what you're saying in terms of recommendation to invest here or invest there, but at least I can follow your logic. From uh, if you go to this event, that event will generate a thousand contacts in the database. Uh, those contacts will get followed up on by an inbound BDR, and a hundred of them. Will you know become become that a next level conversation right, uh, right. of that 
50 of them will be meetings of that. And then you can work through your conversion rates of, of the meetings. We're going to close 25 of them. Um, and of, if, of the meetings that we close, like that's that revenue with the average sale would be worth this. Like that at least, I think if they track that through and you can walk them through that visually um, is where I've gotten those compliments before. And it's been the most fun. Oh, wow. Yeah, no, I, I, I know that that's a tough relationship to manage, uh, especially with, you know, marketing and finance. Uh, again, I think that that's anytime the numbers are squishy, finance doesn't really do squishy, right? It's very black and white. Just that's the way their brains work, right? And, and um, which makes them great at finance, right? And accounting and, and all those sorts of things. So I can, I can appreciate why they don't fully understand, you know, what's the CEO's relationship kind of, the, I could see that the CEO could be uh, helpful um, in, in that relationship, right? Just because, you know, in theory, they're a little bit closer to marketing and sales and maybe the CFO is for just from a natural capability and competency standpoint. But, you know, I guess there are some very financial driven CEOs that share the, you know, sh share the same views of finance. Yeah. Um, I think I've, I've seen a good range of, um, um, uh, the majority that I've worked with seem to be easier to get on board with with marketing. They usually have an affinity that says, I don't quite understand it, but I feel like if just more people understood it, uh, especially the CEOs that have come from sales, they're like, you know, just just help us get the word out. Just get get us a, an opportunity to talk to someone. And and if you can create those experiences, I'll invest in marketing. Do I know the exact return on investment? maybe not but my gut feeling is that i'm going to get yeah. i'm going to i'm going to have a better sales conversion uh with marketing plus sales than sales on their own right because that's i mean i'm i'm more of a pure seller than i am marketer and so i'm of that opinion like you have to be out there in the marketplace especially today with digital marketing that's where people are reading and and learning and searching and and all sorts of stuff so if you're not in the digital uh, marketing, you're you're almost nowhere, right? So it's it's gone other days where you just hire a bunch of salespeople and be like, go knock on a bunch of doors, right? Because that that to me is wildly expensive and efficient, uh, where you can get a lot more scale in marketing when you equate them to x number of bodies and sales, right? So, but but you're right, it is harder to quantify, but you can't. There's a cost to not doing it as well. That's how I process it well that i mean that's a that's a fantastic statement that you just made there is is if you can ultimately put it in terms of an opportunity cost that they don't want to lose you'll often you could say this is the return you're getting by having this on um it's easier to cut something that you're not losing anything like you're not you're not losing any revenue by by just flip, flipping the, the light switch off but if you can show it in a, in a way that says this is a consistent pipeline this is consistent revenue that's coming from this if you turn it off here's going to be the repercussions um that's when it's it's a lot easier to defend and and and, and you think twice as a ceo or cfo to say um oh maybe we should keep going on that and, and look into it a little bit deeper right and, and i know it takes time in marketing right it's not like you just flip a switch and all of a sudden right like great quality opportunities are coming in. So like, how do you help them manage the, the time factor of building the awareness, creating the campaigns, running them over time? Because people just don't buy enterprise software and, you know, with their credit card, right? It takes time. 
Yeah, the, the time factor is is one of my biggest challenges to overcome. Uh, my strategy there is to look at the leading indicators and to, to view them as cohorts. So, you know, where are we? September. So what I would normally po point to is if you've got the luxury of data, which not not, not everyone does, especially if you're just starting out, is, is go to a cohort that's fully baked and, and completely reconciled and closed and say, let's go look at that one and understand where it is. And then, you know, maybe January, if you're in enterprises, is one that you could do. Otherwise, maybe it's back in 2020. Um, but but let's go and see how things were progressing then and, and that closed cohort. And then you kind of walk forwards and, and have a little bit less confident in each of the cohorts, especially the ones that are maybe last month or the current month. Um, but you can look at the leading indicators. And if you have that funnel staged mapped out and documented, you'll be able to say that that the deals um, are, or the contacts are most likely to become MQLs if you're using that. Those are most likely to become meetings. Those meetings are most likely to become opportunities. Um, and as long as you're showing the volume of that, you know, as close to the revenue as you can get, close to the deals, I, I think you could yeah. say, I expect this cohort that's maybe three months ago, um, because there are this many meetings that we scheduled, those meetings and based on the previous cohorts are going to become opportunities or not. Got it. Yeah, no, that's good. Okay, no, that's really good. I, I, I think that's the first time we've ever really delved into the financial storytelling of the marketing um, team, but I think it is critically, critically important as we know that just CMOs and marketing leaders oftentimes don't stay in their job very long. And I think that's just because there's mixed um, or misaligned understanding of what the, the role is. And, and not all CMOs do the same work, right? Some some do more strategy, some you know are, are more brand building, right? So there's still a lot of variance uh, in what CMOs do. But um, now that's a, that's a fantastic point. So thank you for that revenue rule. All right, so we're gonna transition to the number two rule, Cody. What's your second revenue rule? Uh, revenue rule number two is bring everyone along for the ride. Okay. Tell me more about that. I've been in organizations where marketing is uh, ahead of sales. I've also been in uh, organizations where marketing has been behind sales. Um, they've been, I've been in organizations where we've been in front of the go-to market and the, the product capabilities. And then I've been in ones where we're on the lagging side. Um, and in all cases, I think you want to be at the same pace and, and communicate what's going on in marketing to the group. Like you've got to do almost as much internal marketing as you're doing external marketing because if you're you're not doing it for your your sales your cs your product your engineering teams um no one else at the organization likely is going to and so when you say that you're ahead or behind what do you mean by like if you're ahead of sales or you're behind sales are you meaning in terms of like your capability or your maturity or your um what does that mean uh capability maturity but also messaging and so if, if sales is going out there to market and they're uh, they're talking about it one way and you're over here you know because your relationship with the CEO or the chief product officer talking about it where it's six months or one year from now um, you're gonna have you're gonna have some problems and, and so there's there's a lot of communication that needs to happen of here's here's what we're going to market with here are the product launches here are um here are the campaigns that are we're running and and are live in the market um and if for no other reason than to say that 
this is how you can leverage them because sales is being asked to do more. Um, and, and they would love to make it easier on themselves by being able to tap into something that someone else has worked on. And too often are, they could be independently trying to come up with their own messaging and story because marketing is over here doing something completely different. I see. Yeah. Cause I've seen a lot of people build deck, a lot of sales reps build their own decks and, and, um, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So how do you, how do you get that message out? How do you bring people along? I think communication is difficult in all organizations. Just, you know, everyone kind of gets siloed. We get heads down. It's, it's hard to, um, you know, so I'm curious kind of how you guys do that. I, um, I summarize it in one way, and that's to say uh, summarize and communicate what you did, are doing, and are about to do. And just stay in that rhythm of, hey, here's what we just did. This is what it means to you. Here's what we're currently doing. Pay attention to this the most. And here's what's upcoming. Uh, we know you're swamped, but we wanted to give you a heads up. Because how many times have you heard from a sales organization that's like, I didn't know that that event was happening until my customer, you know, sent me a link afterwards. Right, right, right. So, and so are you doing that? I mean, is that like email, email newsletters? I've seen a variety of different formats of like, um, you know, the, the weekly marketing nugget, right. Or, um, you know, obviously it's probably like quarterly reviews and all hands and so on, but just how do you, what are some of the channels that you're delivering that message? I um I believe that just like your external message, um, marketers need to be sick of it on purpose. Like you almost need to be o overly re overly redundant and just repeat yourself over and over and over and over. I think marketers tend to want the new shiny and they'll change their message and then change it again and change it again. And I've been in that situation and, and it's um it's not as effective. And so just like your um, your external marketing, your internal mar marketing can't rely on one channel and you can't say it one time. You can't expect that, mm -hmm. that everyone's going to consume this is what you're working on if you just send an email. You got to send an email. You got to show them a calendar they can follow. You got to bring it up on their sales calls. You got to bring it up on your marketing summaries, your all hands, your sales enablements um, and, and kind of exhaust it. Like, this is coming up, this is coming up. Again, this is how you can use it. Let me make it easier for you. Let me dissect it. And this is the exact action that this group uh, within the, the larger group should should take right now um, and try and simplify as much as possible, but be repetitive. Yeah, and I imagine that that's obviously more effective for them to receive the message, right? Just the, the, the repetition and the different channels, but I suspect it may also change how salespeople and the other parts of the organization view marketing. Right. Because you always hear like sales are like, well, what's marketing doing for me? Right. They're giving me all the, you know, the, the crappy leads. Right. And, and so I suspect that may bring either more awareness, obviously, but more um, respect potentially for all the work that you guys are doing. Um, how, how do you see it kind of change the perception? I think that's a great point. Um, it could either do two things. It could be, and here's the here's the glass full view, is it could say, wow, that's great. I, I didn't know marketing was doing all that stuff. <laughs> uh, the glass half full view, and maybe the more realistic one, if we're being objective, is why the hell are they doing that, <laughs> right? <laughs> and you're like, what, what are they doing that for? And it gives an opportunity to close the feedback loop because now that they know this is happening, you can get together and say, you know, we don't, we don't, 
we want you to do the A and you're over here doing B. Let's let's figure this out, meet together because right. maybe you know it doesn't feel like we're we're together on this, and so it gives you an opportunity. Versus if you don't communicate it ahead of time, you're gonna be you're gonna be back and forth, and marketing's moved on to something else. Right, and so you're really starting to speak to some of the marketing and sales alignment that uh, we know is so critical. As you you know, there's one growth goal, right, and it's it's upon the growth team to deliver, and and obviously it's a team sport. Um, so how do you work with sales leadership on some of those, you know, whether it be messaging or what campaigns to run, um, you know, so that you are kind of rowing in the same direction? Well, it goes back to that first one um, where, where if you've got, if you got the CFOs, uh, ultimately you're, you've got the sales incentives their you know their their quotas their bookings you've got the right metrics there so you know what they care about the most you align with that and and you drive with them instead of your own KPIs I, and i think you know I, where i've seen organizations really successful is where they've got one group number and when sales celebrates they celebrate with marketing the the less effective organizations is sales celebrates independent from marketing or vice versa. Marketing's over here again celebrating and then sales is like, you know, we didn't win. We didn't hit that number. Uh, we didn't hit, you know, whatever our goal was was trying. So why are you guys celebrating? It just it just creates more friction than necessary. Yeah, yeah. No, it's hard. I mean, I, it, it's, you know, I think it's it's interesting. I mean, it's clear why marketing and sales are two different teams, right? But there's that handoff that, um, is natural, you know, for a reason, but it does, it does come with a lot of, um, extra effort to keep the teams aligned, to track things all the way through the funnel. You know, then you get to the attribution thing that we were talking about earlier. Like, it's just really hard. Um, so the more that you can kind of view it as a team sport, um, and, and celebrate together or, um, you know, lose together, win together, it, 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 it should take some of that friction out, hopefully. Right. And just bring people together. Um, and align on the goals, but I know it's hard because we, we go off and do our separate things, right? Yeah, it, the, the clearest indicator to me of an organization where they're not integrated is the sales team is being asked to do marketing tasks and the marketing team is being asked to do sales tasks. If they were truly integrated, you, you wouldn't have the redundancy. And even technology, is there's technology that's that's being built that's, that's you know, you, the sales team is kind of launching these campaigns. Marketing's launching these these maybe ABM one-to-one campaigns. And when I think about you know ABM, and you 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 know you flip the funnel, start with the accounts in mind. That sounds a lot like sales to me, right? So the the two together, if you integrated them and you had the funnels you know overlaid on top of each other, each other it should be it just sales and marketing together. Yeah, and I think ABM is a great example where that has to come. That, I mean, it doesn't work um, without the teams working together, right? Because it takes execution on both sides. Um, no, that's really good. And I think, you know, one thing I've learned, just one of the pieces of feedback I got when I took the role here at Nine Lens as CEO was, you know, I have to bring my family along for the ride, right? Because we're working a lot. Uh, it, it's, it's, you know, we have good days and bad days, right? Like, you know, in early stage software companies, it's easy to kind of ping pong around based on one customer or one great phone call or, you know, any number of things. And it's just easy just to kind of shut down and be like, okay, I want to close that for the day and go be with the family. 
Um, but I also have to bring them along for the ride because they want to know, right? And it's they want to celebrate my success and understand if I'm having a bad day, why? And so that was the exact phrase that uh, that that uh, mentor of mine said, you got to bring them along for the ride. So that's what made me think, um, you know, you're doing it internally. Um, but, you know, this was, you know, kind of kind of personally as, you know, it's a lot of work to, you know, kind of do this. So that was that was kind of a cool connection there. Well, yeah, that's maybe a better way to say it to your to your example there is is in addition to bringing them along for the ride is is you're celebrating the wins with them and not independent from them and so you're you're you know is a lot a lot of this work is work like it's not easy um, but if yeah. you focus on the the small incremental wins and the things that you're doing like I mean think about sales sales gets their wins and achievements in the form of a paycheck and that tells them whether or not they're doing well in marketing that's not always the case and so um, how do you celebrate jointly where the team is like yeah we're winning together if you can if you can you know celebrate those wins as a team with one goal in mind you're, you're gonna have uh, a, a lot of momentum and you you're gonna have less misalignment yeah, no, no, that's great. No, these are two great revenue rules. Uh, clearly, you've done a lot in marketing. How did you get into marketing, Cody? How did you find your way? I um, I was handed a, a laptop from my dad. He started a company, um, you know, back in the '90s, and he would give me his his old uh, Microsoft Developer Suite enabled <laughs> laptops, and I would just play around with macromedia and flash and uh -huh. C++ and, and all of that. So I wanted to be a programmer when I grew up. Um, and then I went to college for advertising, um, started a little affiliate marketing business, and then, you know, was kind of hooked. It's this this combination of, of art and science that, that it, it keeps me from getting bored because there's there's a lot of different aspects to it. There's the analytical side, but there's also the extreme creative uh, side that that I really enjoy. And it kind of started there. Wow. And so um, where did you land your first marketing job and what was what was kind of the the lessons learned? I did a uh, I did an internship with uh, with Allstate um, and and they needed to get ranked up a little bit higher on the search engines. Um, and so they they they've. I told them some of the things that I did. I built a, a, a hockey equipment website. Hockey is one of the hobbies that I, I played growing up and the equipment's fairly expensive. So uh, I built a website, taught myself SEO, paid search and uh, got to uh, number one out of 22 million sites for the keyword hockey equipment. Told them that story. They took a wow. chance on me, worked you know, organic, paid search, social media with them. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I got some great, great experiences working with some a great brand and some great agencies. Wow. So that was as an intern? As an intern, yeah, out of college. I actually went back uh, two more times, did a contractor gig, and then, uh, okay. and then, yeah. I would say that may be the coolest and most productive intern uh, job I've heard of. You know, my internship in college was uh, nothing that exciting <laughs> or, or they, relevant, um, I should even say, to the business. They did, they really didn't treat it like an internship. You basically were like an employee of the company, which was which was fun. Like I wasn't getting coffees or anything like that. Like they were like, here's the business problem, step up and solve it. Wow. Well, that's I mean that that kind of speaks to the entrepreneurial background, and and you just kind of have to go and do you know roll up your sleeves. Uh, what was the business your dad started? 
Uh, he, he started a company called uh, Integrated Performance Systems that was later acquired by Beeline, and it was one of the first uh, human management, uh, human performance capital, human management capital performance companies. It was all around talent acquisition, um, uh, e-learning, and so a lot of the stuff that I did there was they actually sat me in front of the team of developers, installed uh, installed SQL, installed um, uh, Microsoft Developer Suite, and then just said go. And I said, what do you mean go? They just The developer just said, start. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. And so I just asked them probably a thousand questions, but was building some prototypes for the software and, and flash applications. And, you know, is, is, you know, I think back on it now, but um, it is a building blocks for all the websites that yeah. I've created and yeah. managed. Um, and, and it gives me a good indication of, of how the databases work, like especially Salesforce and Pardot Marketo, like right. how, how everything works together and it's the interconnectedness of it, which is where I have a lot of fun on the MOP side. Like I've played with most most marketing and sales tools out there. Yeah, no, I think that's a, um, you know, I had a similar experience um, where I, I was writing software. My first job was writing software. So I got to see commercial grade software, which like in college is not commercial grade. It's just like these little, you know, things you're running on a on a computer lab computer but that has carried forward as we're you know developing enterprise software i still understand database design and and so like it just lets me understand and appreciate the technical layer that you know obviously i can't go write software anymore but um it that's a it's a great foundation that you had and just allows you to see technology beyond just the the gui right that you know is presented on screen so that's especially with marketing all those tools and technologies and data yeah, and I mean, the thing that's awesome about technology and programming and, you know, I hope to get my girls into it in, as in early ages is that whole mentality of debugging. Like, like you've got to go and figure out the problem and you got to also pay attention because all it takes is a semicolon or one character and your entire compile is, is destroyed. And so you really got to, you know, you got to figure out where the problem is and, uh, and figure out how to go back, you know, systematically and, and where was the break. Um, that, that has helped me a lot in, in connecting a lot of different technologies and processes and, and, uh, you know, in the funnel even, whereas, Where's the disconnect between we spent some money and the CFO has no idea why? <laughs> Go debug <laughs> it. Put yeah, break. right. Yep, yep. Look at the funnel. Well, no, this has been great. It's been uh, awesome to hear your stories and, and your revenue rules. Those were two fantastic ones, two new ones uh, that no one's touched on before. So thank you for that. Where can we find you online, Cody? You can find me at uh, at LinkedIn, uh, Open Networker. Love to just you know nerd out about this stuff and talk to people. Um, love marketing, really do. Uh, you can also find me at CodyWar.com if you if you want to check that out. But uh, yeah, please please reach out and uh, and yeah, if you got a problem out there and and I've got a story to share, we'll have some fun. Awesome. Well, thanks again, Cody. Thanks for coming on to the Revenue Hustle. Let's do it again soon. Sounds great. Thank you for tuning in to The Revenue Hustle. This episode has been brought to you by Nine Lenses. Close more deals with interactive assessments. Check them out at NineLenses.com. See you next time.